Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Today is Saturday, May 10th, 2014. We have a great show lined up for you here tonight. The show is live every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central. Tonight on What on Earth is Happening, I'm going to begin exploring the interference theory of human origins and asking some questions about it and uh, perhaps getting some, uh, some opinions uh, from the listeners, the audience members, uh, on this theory. So um, this, you know, I, it's, my, it's my word for it because people have called it intervention theory. I prefer the term interference instead of intervention, and I'll explain why a little bit later on. But uh, the call-in number to join us, I'll give, give it right at the top of the show, uh, for people who want to uh, get in the queue to ask questions, make comments, or perhaps win tickets to my um, Streetwise Spirituality Seminar. We still have three free tickets that were donated um, by um, Joe from Kansas City, and still looking for for winners of uh, our trivia contest that I've been hosting to um give these three free tickets to the seminar away so uh you could win that this evening the call in number 800-313-9443 once again the call in number to join us here on what on earth is happening 800-313-9443 I have a couple of quick event announcements before we get started with the topic for tonight <clears throat> the monthly Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary screening and discussion evening that takes place here in Philadelphia on the third Thursday of every month will be taking place on Thursday, May 15th, 2014. That's uh, this coming Thursday. So um, this will be happening at the Guerin Recreation Center at 1600 Jackson Street in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Thursday, May 15th. Um, the event is always free to attend. Um, if you are able, uh, we 
Uh, also accept voluntary donations to help uh, pay for the room because it is uh, there is a small donation to um, pay for the Guerin Recreation Center. There's also free parking at the Recreation Center for those who uh, are thinking about attending. It's free off-street parking. The entrance of the lot is on Wolf Street between 15th and 16th Streets. And after entering the main doors of the Recreation Center, the meeting room uh, where we're screening the documentary is the last room on the right down the hall. Feel free to bring your own food and drinks. The film for Thursday, May 15th is Innocence Betrayed. This is uh, one that we showed last year, but it's so highly important for people to understand. We're going to show this again, hopefully with a new audience and an expanded audience. I'll read a brief description of this powerful documentary. 170 million civilians have been murdered by their own government in the 20th century alone. 170 million men, women, and children who were defenseless to protect themselves. 170 million victims of gun control. Innocence Betrayed is a very powerful documentary produced by Jews for the Preservation of Firearms Ownership. It explains how governments have historically deprived people of firearms and soon afterward engaged in mass exterminations of their populations. Innocence Betrayed shows what happens when government alone has all power and how licensing and registration were key elements to disarming their populations, leaving them vulnerable to methodical slaughter. This film exposes facts that the mainstream media has ignored and concealed deliberately for decades. Innocence Betrayed is a documentary that will open eyes, destroy myths, change minds, and save lives. That's the film we're going to be screening on Thursday, May 15th. Come on out if you're in the Philadelphia area. It'll be a very enlightening experience and a fun time. So, I will be speaking at... Um, the Arden Mead Center in St. Louis, Missouri on Saturday, May 31st. This is a one-time all-day seminar, a special seminar called Streetwise Spirituality. The subtitle of the seminar is, What Does It Truly Mean to Be, Quote, Awake? What does that really mean, contrary to popular belief or to the New Age version of what being awake in the modern world really means? I'm going to give my take on what it means to be truly awake and how most people really aren't awake who think that they are. And uh, this is going to be taking place, of course, Saturday, May 31st. May 31st. It's an all-day event at the Arden Mead Center, 17 Selma Avenue in St. Louis, Missouri. The doors will open at 9 a.m., and I'm going to attempt to start speaking at about 9.30 a.m. after people settle into their seats. Uh, I will speak for about three hours, and then we will take a lunch break at 12.30 p.m. The lunch break will be about an hour and a half. I'll resume with the afternoon session of the seminar at about 2 p.m., uh, and go for another three hours uh, presenting until 5 p.m., uh, after which we will have a question and answer session from the audience. The advance tickets for the seminar are only a $20 donation. You can get them by calling 313-488-4454, and you could speak to Ray for tickets, 314-488-4454, or you could email Ray Mummy at gmail.com. That's spelled R-A-Y 
M-U-M-M-E, raymummy at gmail.com to purchase tickets. At the door, tickets are a $25 donation. So uh, looking, really looking forward to my uh, upcoming seminar in St. Louis, Missouri. If you're in the area or if you can make it out to the area, come on out. It will be definitely a intensive and enlightening experience. Uh, tonight on the show, I'll be continuing to give away, hopefully I can give away three individual tickets to Streetwise Spirituality that were donated for giveaway by Joe from Kansas City. Uh, so far, we haven't, we've only had luck in giving one ticket away, but I still have three extra ones that are still up for grabs. So let me give the question right here at the top of the show. Uh, the question that I want an answer to is name the four major Sabbaths or high holidays of the occult calendar and the season respectively that each one of those holidays is associated with the four major sabbats or holidays of the occult calendar and the and their associated seasons that is the question and if you're able to attend the St. Louis seminar if you want to call in again the call in number 800-313-9443 if you answer that question correctly you could win a ticket to the uh, Streetwise Spirituality seminar that's coming up on Saturday May 31st in St. Louis Missouri so um I want to direct everybody's attention to the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page underneath the player. As always, there are images for tonight's show with slides that are going to deal with the concepts and ideas that I'll be talking about. We'll jump right into the topic on the other side of this break. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Back everyone, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio, my website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before the break, I was letting everybody know that there are associated images for tonight's show. As always, uh, during the live broadcast, they are underneath the player on the whatonearthishappening.com radio show page. Just click the radio show tab on the uh, homepage of the site. That'll take you to the radio show page, and right under the player, you'll see images for tonight's show, with along with some numerical links. If you click any of those links, they will uh, it will bring up a little slideshow with uh, slides that I'm going to be talking about on the show tonight. Uh, as always, the slides are always archived with the podcast of the uh, radio show in the uh, podcast archive on my website. So. Um, Image number one up there was the uh, poster for the Streetwise Spirituality Seminar. I always uh, put any uh, live engagements that I'm going to be involved in uh, in these images sections. If you uh, section, if you are so inclined to share it, you could share it on uh, social media sites or with any friends that might happen to live in the uh, St. Louis area. So, image number two. Um, I just want to say before we get started, um, I planned on having a little bit more intensive of a slideshow for today's show, but unfortunately, um, 
everyday life uh, interfered with that this week. Uh, you know, and I, I think this is something I should just mention as a brief aside. A lot of people think that, you know, I have, um, I put all of my time into doing this. I, I put as much time as I am able to put into doing this work, you know, and if everybody did that, I think we'd be making a lot of headway and progress. But I'm mortal and human just like anybody else is out there. I have to deal with the everyday, daily uh, events of life. I have to uh, clothe and feed myself. I have to uh, keep up with entropy around the house. You know, I have to uh, prepare meals, etc. Take out the trash. And uh, unfortunately, this week I ran into a couple of issues with technology that I had to uh, uh, get solved. And luckily, uh, you know, there were some very uh, kind people that uh, helped and volunteered their time to to help me with some of that. Um, I had a printer breakdown on me this week, um, and I also had a pretty bad plumbing issue go on in the house that I had to deal with. So um, again, uh, I only put a small investment of time into the slides for tonight, but the topic is what's ultimately important, not just the imagery. And I think the imagery does speak volumes, but I want to say thanks to both uh, Michael Falsetta and Jay Parker for uh, helping me out uh, this week with the uh, problems that I was having. So um, regarding uh, the investment of time, as I was saying, I put in what I can do, and that ends up being a whole lot of time. But that doesn't mean that all the other events of life aren't going on. I, th you know, I think a lot of people think I am 100% at the disposal of the, quote, great work. And it's not necessarily true. We all have things that we have to deal with that uh, take us away from, in, you know, investing the time that we want to invest in this work. And I think a lot of people just don't do it. They ignore it altogether and they just get absorbed in that. I try to strike a balance at least and put as much time in as I can with the great work. And then there has to be some uh, you know, leftover time for what I need to do in my life, you know, personally, individually. Um, again, this appeal is more about asking people to get involved in this work because as the old saying goes, many hands make light work. Many hands make for light work. If we have more people involved in trying to raise consciousness and trying to put the truth out there, then that work will go smoother and it won't be such a heavy burden on the small amount of people who are doing this at the current time and investing a lot of time in their life and carrying a whole lot of that burden upon their shoulders. And uh, I, I have, you know, constantly been saying from day one, we need a whole lot more people doing this type of work. And when you do it, you'll see what an investment it is. It isn't just, you know, you uh, switch on you know, the microphone or hit the record button and then just, you know, it's all off the top of your head. You have to prepare shows. You have to think about things linearly. You have to, you know, uh, structure things logically so that when they come through over the air, people understand them, you know, and, and then I put imagery to the, the, the information as well, because that helps reinforce it and solidify it in people's mind. So, just wanted to uh, put that out there that uh, it's not uh, every single day that I have to um, put 100% of my time involved in this and people do have to understand that and they also have to understand I'm not always seated at the computer uh, ready to engage with them or you know uh, answer questions or 
you know, any aspect of this because there are other aspects of life also taking place. And I'm not telling people to completely ignore those aspects. I'm saying the things that we may want to do individually, egoically in our own lives, uh, may have to be sacrificed and you may have to uh, take a little bit less time for that so you can invest some time in speaking the truth and putting it out there to other people who need to see and hear and understand it. That's really what the great work is all about. And if uh, even I would say maybe uh, a tenth to a quarter of the human population got involved in it, we'd make tremendous headway, but we're nowhere near that kind of a number, not even close, not yet. So um, let's just review briefly what I was talking about last week, which was the two polarizing dialectics. And this is beginning with slide number two on the uh, whatonearthishappening.com radio show or the images with the podcast. I was talking about theories regarding human origins, really creation, you know, universal creation and the origins of human beings in general. And there are two main polarizing paradigms, as I called them last week, that share a whole lot in common. They are the uh, left-brained, imbalanced, Darwinian, quote-unquote, evolution paradigm. And the reason, whenever I refer to Darwinism, I'm always going to put the term evolution in quotes all the time. Because for people who, you know, uh, think that uh, whenever I say evolution, I mean Darwinian evolution, it's unidimensional thinking. It's the kind of people who think a symbol only ever means one thing. It can never mean anything different in a different context or circumstance. When I use the term evolution by itself, I'm not talking about Darwinian evolution. If I mean, if I'm talking about Darwinian evolution, I will specifically refer to it as the Darwinian evolutionary paradigm and I'll wrap evolution in quotes because I don't see Darwin's theory of evolution as actual real evolution. I see it as biological progression and the survival of biological material regardless of what in the form of genetics, regardless of what is happening epigenetically or in consciousness. And therefore, uh, when genetic material survives, but consciousness isn't growing, that's no form of evolution at all. I would call that uh, the degradation of a species. I would call it devolution, de-evolving. You're not really evolving if consciousness is, is not evolving and growing more complex and larger in its scope and more able to perceive truth and more able to align behavior with morality. If that's not happening, there's no evolution taking place, ladies and gentlemen, and Darwinism doesn't really take that those aspects, those dynamics into account, certainly not to any great extent, and that's why I wrap it in quotes, I do not subscribe to this left-brain imbalance worldview of uh, the Darwinian quote-unquote evolutionary paradigm. I see it as a very left-brain, scientism-based worldview. And I think it has led to an enormous amount of harm in our world that really needs to be addressed and corrected. So uh, we'll pick this up on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening? We'll be right back. Let's swim to the moon. Uh-huh. Let's climb through the tide.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before the break, I was talking about the two completely imbalanced paradigms regarding uh, the theory of human origins and what they share in common. So um, Darwinian evolution, which suggests that you know biological material uh, is evolving over time and in vast tracts of time, and ultimately genes uh, dictate what happens in the realm of uh, human thought and behavior, and uh, we're ultimately some sort of a victim of genes because all that is going on is this biological material is trying to preserve itself and survive, and we're just involved in that process. And it, you know, free will doesn't really enter into the picture. This is very actually similar. People think it's uh, the opposite of creationism. Uh, I call these, like David Icke refers to them as opposames. I love the term because it so very clearly depicts how similar these paradigms really are in what they output in the way of the worldview. Because people think, you know, oh, creationism, you know, a biblical worldview, it's so drastically different than Darwinism. But really, it essentially does all the same things uh, as far as what it does to the human consciousness is, you know, as, as far as consciousness is concerned, it shuts down consciousness in the same way. It keeps the slavery system going because it completely dismisses free will. You know, this says God's in, in charge of every event in creation. It's all predetermined, just like genes predetermine things in the Darwinian paradigm. It totally dismisses consciousness and its ability to create change. You know, why, why would, if God's all powerful and he's controlling everything, well, what role does consciousness play in anything then? What role does free will play in anything? And not all religionists, you know, think like that, but many do. And a lot of new agers think like that as well. They, they take this attitude that free will is an illusion, complete illusion. There's no such thing, you know, this, uh, Cosmic force is just controlling everything, making everything happen. You know, people are like puppets on strings. You know, that's why I put the that image in the next slide, which we'll get to in a moment. But, um, you know, the right brain imbalanced creationism paradigm. I would just say religionist paradigm, really. Religion, religious creationism is a better way of looking at it. It's not just biblical or Christian paradigm. It's all religion, you know. I, I, I wonder what a lot of these people think in their minds, you know. The world was suddenly brought into existence with a snap of a finger by God 6,000 years ago. And then, some what, a hand came down from the sky and placed people already formed on the earth? You know, placed people from the realm of, you know... God into the world already formed on the earth or did they just magically appeared, you know? I mean, both of these paradigms are really actually childish if you really sit and think about them. You know, one says there's no purpose for anything to exist except the continuation of matter. And the other one says God did everything and consciousness and free will don't really play into this equation. What they both do, and this is why the system loves both of these existing, the control system, the dark occultists, they love that both of these paradigms are propped up 
and that these are the two competing polarizing paradigms. They love it because what, what is happening in the minds of people is all they're thinking as a result of buying into one or this, one or the other of these two totally imbalanced worldviews, whether it's the left brain worldview imbalance or the right brain worldview imbalance is you are powerless to change anything. You are powerless to actually create change in your life and in the world. That's what this, the, both of these paradigms reinforce in the mind, in the worldview. Because they completely dismiss free will. They completely dismiss consciousness. They completely dismiss our ability through consciousness to create real world change. And they externalize all of our power. In the Darwinian quote unquote evolution paradigm, we are at the mercy of genes and in the religion uh, inspired religionist uh, creation paradigm, we are at the mercy of God. So human beings don't have any control over their destiny in either of these paradigms by what we think, by how we think, feel, and act. That you could throw all out the window. The aspects of consciousness, throw them right in the garbage can according to both of these paradigms. And what that reinforces, once again, is this enormously entrenched uh, paradigm that people are clinging on to, that the human condition as it is right now in the present moment is impossible to change, that it somehow must be that way. And this is a lie. It's a lie, ladies and gentlemen. It is a falsity. If If you yourself think that way, you have bought into a falsity. The the human condition can be changed. It is a matter of summoning enough will on the part of the individual people of the earth to change it. But it can be changed. Can and will are two different things. And if you don't understand that yet, you know, I mean, just go back into the, the archives, you know, of this show. I've been talking about this since day one. I've been talking about this totally imbalanced worldview when we talked about randomness and purposelessness versus total determinism and how these were symptoms of brain imbalance almost from day one maybe the second or third show is on that but if you you know aren't familiar with this concept you need to go back in the archives and listen from show number one which is what i recommend for everybody who might be a new listener to this radio series you need to go back to show number one in the podcast archive on my website and listen forward at your own pace at your own progression from number one without skipping around i mean if if you've joined the game just today okay or even recently you're missing a whole lot of material and the the material we're getting into now requires prerequisite knowledge about consciousness about worldview about the occult etc okay about mind control about natural law. This is the material that is all in the in the archive section. And again, I recommend listening to it in order at your own pace without skipping around. That's how the tapestry is woven. It's a very stepwise linear progression. So moving on to the next slide, slide number three, I asked at the end of the show last week, is there an alternative to these two imbalanced yet prevailing paradigms regarding human origins and creation in general, uh, does a 
a balanced alternative exist or does just any alternative exist? Even if it's extreme, even if it sounds extreme, is there some other alternative? If both of these worldviews create the same thing and they're not really any different, they're basically the same, you know, and they both put human beings in the same position, which is into slavery. Do we have an alternative worldview that we can look into? We don't have to accept it right off the bat. We need to explore it. We need to be open-minded regarding it. We need to look at it and ask the question, does this make sense? Does this explain the current human condition better than the other two imbalanced paradigms? These, this is the question we really ultimately want to ask ourselves. When we look into the theory I'm going to postulate, and that many others have postulated, I'm not the first and I won't be the last, I just might have a slightly different take on it, or I might structure my argument regarding this theory or this worldview uh, slightly differently than some others have. I would like to think that I'm going to present it in a pretty logical progression, as I do with most of my other material, but you know, some people will still insist, oh, he's an agent because he's talking about the possibility of non-human intelligence interacting with our planet, you know, as if that's such a strange and crazy and out there thing with all the life that is more likely than not teeming in the universe and the amount of planets that have already been discovered. You know, people still in 2014 don't want to entertain the notion that intelligent life of non-human origin has already visited this planet and has been continuing to do so. So, you know, again, I think that the way I'm going to tell this story or postulate this worldview is going to be a lot more involved and, and balanced than the way some others put it out there. But again, I can't just hold my tongue on this anymore because... With what I've researched and come to pretty much uh, put the, the, the puzzle pieces together, again, it's fragmentary and no one has all of the pieces, um, I would be remiss and I would be doing people a disservice if I didn't start talking about this possibility. So we'll, look at, we'll start looking at that on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Very appropriate bumper music. Uh, Yes, this code of silence regarding the possibility of extraterrestrial or non-human interference in our origins cannot be maintained and does need to be spoken even if people only consider it with an open mind as a possibility. Because what we have now is a dualistic paradigm regarding where we came from 
that ultimately puts our mind in chains so that the condition of humanity stays in a state of slavery. That's what we have right now. So I asked the question last week, is there an alternative to Darwinian evolutionary theory, quote unquote evolutionary theory, and religious creationism? And my term for this alternative is interference theory. Um, You may have heard it as the ancient astronauts theory. You may have heard it as interventionism. I believe when Jordan Maxwell was on the show a couple of weeks back, that's the term he used to describe it. I believe that's also the term that researchers like Lloyd Pye have used to describe this concept. Uh, I don't prefer really either term. I I like to call it interference theory of human origins, the interference theory of human origins. And there's a reason for that. I mean, if you just think about the term intervention, I mean, that could have, you know, positive overtones or connotations to it. You know, an intervention, when, when it comes to talking to someone about things that they're doing bad uh, uh, toward themselves, you know, has a very positive overtone. It's like, oh, I'm intervening on your behalf. I'm trying to help you out, you know? And I don't think this was anything positive. I don't think this was anything in the way of trying to help us whatsoever. Uh, if, if anything, it was the exact opposite. It stunted us. It stunted our growth. It stunted our development. We're going to go into some extreme detail on this in later shows, but I'm just introducing this concept tonight to put the general idea out there into the people's minds and state it in a way that, you know, people can consider it without going all the way to the end. Oh, it's just, you know, aliens and there's no hope. All right. We have to look at this from a reasonable and logical perspective and ask the questions. Is it possible? If it was possible, and, and possibly did occur, then does that explain things right now? And then what are our options if this is indeed our troubled past, to say the least, to, as an understatement? You know, is the, if we did have this kind of traumatic birth or childhood, however you want to look at it, and our parents are celestial or cosmic parents, if that turns out to be the case, did treat us or make us as slaves, okay, and then abandon us. What does that say about who we actually are, if anything? Do we have a choice in what comes next? You know, is there anything we can do about the situation? Because that's where people disagree with with this, not because they don't think it's possible, but because they don't want to think about the implications see that's that's why people don't want to even look at this theory they're uncomfortable with the possibility of the implications of this occurring and so since the implications are so traumatic and possibly dire they say well that can't be that i don't want to live in that world it's just like the cognitive dissonance that when you, you, you get, when you talk to people about 9-11 being an inside job as a polarizing event to, you know, wage war in other countries. 
and take freedoms here in, at home in America. Again, uh, a friend of mine told me that his sister told him that if it were, if it came, the people who did 9-11 came out in the open and admitted it and showed exactly how and why they did it, she would still pref- choose, willfully choose not to accept that as the truth and willfully believe in, in, in something that she knows to be a lie, which is the official story even if that were the case. And of course says, well, of course that can't be the case because I don't want to live in that world. You see, when people put this notion out there that the people who are trying to tell people it may be even worse than you had previously assumed are quote-unquote agents, oh, we're working for the bad guys because we're trying to get to the bottom of what really happened here in the ancient past, you know? has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with trying to make people feel hopeless. The truth will never create hopelessness. The truth can only create empowerment. Would you rather not know the truth even if the truth is dark and foreboding? Or would you rather know it? And if you know it, aren't you in a better empowered position to do something about the situation if that is in fact the truth? I'm not telling anybody they have to accept it or believe it. I'm saying, just like 9-11, you know, if you already say, I refuse to even look at that as a possibility because I don't want to live in that world, well, who are you? You're the arbiter of truth then? You're the arbiter of truth. You get to decide what's real or not real. See, to me, there's no bigger way of making the claim that you're God than that. I'm not saying I want it to be any particular way. I'm not saying that I'm going to accept it being whatever way I feel comfortable with. Who would I be to say that? How, how much hubris would I have to be in to make a claim like that? To say something to the effect of, uh, because I'm more comfortable with this possibility existing, then that has to be the truth. Or because I'm not comfortable with an alternative possibility existing, that that can't possibly be true. Who would I be to make that statement? What I would be claiming is that I am the arbiter of truth, or hence God. You know, I could just make up what's true based on my comfort level. It's not just cognitive dissonance. I mean, this is almost a euphemism. The psychological condition of cognitive dissonance has almost become like a euphemism. Because really what we're talking about goes beyond psychological illness. I mean, it's somebody making the claim that they control reality. That they control what is true or not. I'm not approaching this from a perspective that it's true or not true. I'm saying let's go where the evidence leads. Let's take an honest look. And then you have other camps of people out there saying, well, it doesn't, it's not important. We, we don't need to know our origins. I mean, imagine that. You don't need to know where you came from. It's the number one way, almost the number one method of how people are controlled is that they are cut off from the origins of where they came from. They are cut off from their past and the past of their ancestors. You know, if you can't see where you came from and how you got to where you are, how are you going to understand where you're headed? You're not. You're going to be navigating blind. There's not going to be any compass for direction. It is absolutely critical that we look into our origins.
because that is going to inform us about our current condition. It's not necessarily going to permanently tell us who we are. Okay. If you don't want to look at an exploration of origins like that, number one, okay, because if you think, if it turns out we were made as a slave species, that doesn't mean that that's a permanent condition. Because the real force of evolution, as we talked about it in occult terms, the force which moves consciousness forward against the opposing force of involution, of entropy, okay, is still at work. And that means we, there's no such thing as the way things are permanently, except for natural law. That is a boundary condition of the universe. The laws of nature are the way things are. Aside from that, nothing is set in stone. We can evolve our consciousness by our free will to choose to learn, to choose to grow in our understanding. That's a choice right now. It's not something that is just running on all autopilot, an automated process. Yeah, there's a part of evolutionary progression that is automation. I would say that's the biological component, the physical component, and we'll talk about that momentarily. But um, there's so much more to true evolutionary progression than just the biological component. We'll pick it up there on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. everyone hour number two of tonight's broadcast of what on earth is happening i'm your host mark passio my website what on earth is happening.com tonight on the show we're talking about the interference theory of human origins as an alternative to the two imbalanced yet prevailing worldviews or paradigms of where we came from which is of course darwinian quote-unquote evolution not actual evolution, but Darwin's uh, left brain imbalanced uh, theory that has been taken up by the religion of scientism and religious creationism that uh, God just uh, suddenly made it all happen in a flash. And uh, both of these paradigms, as we talked about earlier, leave free will and consciousness at the door or on the back burner. They externalize all power. They say that we're not we're ultimately at the mercy of either genes or God, and they leave people with this feeling that the human condition cannot be changed whatsoever, and that's why they are so promoted by the control system. They want you to believe that nothing can be done to change or improve the human condition. Well, there is an alternative theory that postulates how human beings came to be the way that they are today. Not saying who we permanently are. And again, this is what I was talking about before the break. 
If you want to think that, you know, there is a permanent way things must be, and something is making it be like that permanently, forever, that's actually an illness. You're actually mentally ill. That is actually a complete 100% extreme form of either left or right brain imbalance. And nobody has ever really described it as such to people. That's why many people don't even understand. They, they, they say, oh, we evolved like that. And so the, now we're permanently like that. You know, this whole notion of, you know, you hear this postulated in things like, um, well, uh, we, we um, have been doing this. We have been eating meat for this long. We have been living this way for this long. We have been being dominated by people who look at themselves as God, but who are actually psychopathic uh, dark occultists for this long. Well, who cares how long something that is immoral has been going on for? That doesn't make it right. It could be going on for aeons and aeons of time. And it's not going to make one damn bit of difference when it comes to whether it's moral or immoral. So the, the people who, you know, postulate this notion that because it's been going on for a certain amount of time, and at that time is a real long amount of time, that somehow that puts into their mind this notion that it should continue on, that that should, that's, that, that's okay for it to just continue being that way. The fact that something has been going on for an enormous amount of time says nothing regarding its its morality, and it says nothing regard, regarding whether it's true or not. Okay, so, you know, people have been, been believing in these two paradigms for a whole, uh, l a, a really long time. That doesn't make it, that doesn't make a difference how long or deeply they're entrenched. You know, that doesn't say anything about whether they are true or not certainly doesn't say anything about whether they're going to be good for humanity, you know, if we accept them and take them in to our makeup. Because if we take something into our makeup that's untrue and then we act on it, of course, we're going to get chaotic results. Only when we take truth in, understand it, and then do something that is balanced with it, are we going to get orderly results. So again, even though the theory I'm going to lay out here may be very dark and foreboding, that doesn't make it untrue, and nor does it mean that understanding it won't be an empowering thing if it does turn out to be the case. So let's look at this alternative to these two entrenched paradigms. I call it interference theory, again, because I don't like the term intervention. Intervention, again, has a positive connotation as far as I'm concerned. It's as if you're intervening on someone's behalf and interference paints the connotation that you're getting in the way. You're blocking something. You're preventing something from happening. You are interfering with something that was already underway and you got involved and you stood in the way of it, which again, it's, I don't know how well this came out on the slide, but this image is actually like a, a, a road, and on that road, you see the bricks uh, in the background, and there's a shadow looming, and then there's someone that you can't make out standing in the background, you know, and we're standing in that person's shadow, and he's, this, this person or this figure is blocking the way, blocking the way forward. That's the way I look at the interference theory. You know, I, del you know it, I deliberately chose an image that was kind of shadowy. Because again, 
This is a, a shadowy circumstance. It's a, it's a shadowy topic to go down. We don't really have a complete picture of it. We need more people who are going to take it seriously and research it. And we need research that has been deliberately suppressed and put into hiding to be taken out of hiding and shown to the people if we're going to make any headway in understanding this. Let's look at some of the main points and uh, I think I'm going to go to some callers and see if we could uh, get some winners of the uh, streetwise spirituality tickets in the next segment. But let's look at some points in this segment of what I mean when I say interference theory of human origins and how this takes into account natural evolutionary progression or what I would call real evolution, real evolutionary progress in consciousness. And does it actually incorporate elements it incorp this theory incorporates elements of both creationism and what i would call biological evolution because i'm not telling people that there isn't a process in nature that deals with biological evolution nor am i telling people that there isn't processes in nature that deal with the creative force creative intelligence that underlies everything or if you want to call it God, that's fine. I think the truth, of course, lies somewhere in between and is a mixture. But not in the way that either of the entrenched paradigms have put forward. So the first point or tenet of this theory, if you will, is that there is a natural evolutionary progression operating. And it works first. I call this natural evolutionary progression, NEP for short. Okay, so NEP or a the natural evolutionary process, not Darwinian evolution. Okay, not this theory that it's all just about biological survival, about the survival of genes and the propagation of genes. Okay, that happens, of course, that is going on, but only up to a point. See, that's not the be all and end all of this process that I'm calling natural evolutionary progression. Because this is about evolution, not only in the biological do domain, but in the epigenetic domain or the domain of consciousness. So point number one, natural evolutionary progression works first in the physical or slash biological slash genetic domain and eventually proceeds to the epigenetic domain or the domain of consciousness. Okay. The domain of mind which again, that's why mind control is so important in controlling what we are going to do, whether we are going to evolve ourselves or whether we're going to remain stagnant. Understanding how mind control works is such an important part of getting out of the epigenetic manipulation of humanity, the manipulation of the mind. All right, so there's two processes at work in nature. There's, there is physical, biological, or genetic evolution. Okay. And yeah, there are new forms being generated over vast, vast swaths of time, but that's not the be all and end all. That's not the whole purpose for that process. Ultimately it is to evolve consciousness. We'll pick this up on the other side. You're listening to what on earth is happening. Stay with us. No 
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Continuing on, on slide number four, interference theory of human origins. I was uh, basically putting forward a few main points. The second of these four main points I want to go through is this process of natural evolutionary progression is an automated process up to a point, and it's directed by creation itself. The underlying intelligence that orders everything, that underlies all matter, God, if you will, up to a point. And that point is until it enters the epigenetic domain. Now, what do I mean by entering the epigenetic domain here in this sentence? I mean, when biological progress has advanced to the point where now the being is capable of holistic intelligence which human beings are and have been. So when it enters the epigenetic domain, whereupon the free will of the beings who have developed the capacity for holistic intelligence then becomes involved. All right. So the process is an automated process directed by creation until it enters the epigenetic domain, whereupon the free will becomes involved. And again, free will is a capacity for beings who have developed the capacity for holistic intelligence. That's why animals don't have free will at the same level than a human being has free will. Animals are creatures of instinct. They are largely controlled by instinctual responses. This does not have to be true for a human being. It can be true when a human being has not done any work upon themselves to evolve their consciousness then you're going to be like an animal. You're going to live as a do- as an animal lives in the field. You're going to be at the beck and call of every little biological instinct. Okay? It's called absolutely living uh, for t- the, the base survival needs only. Okay? Living inside the pure instinctual response. That's not really a human being. That's descriptive of what an animal does. So we are more than just another animal. Again, the concept that we are just another animal, for people who out there who still believe in that nonsense, that is Satanism. That is one of the actual big tenets of Satanism. That man is no different than any other animal. Man is most certainly very different than all other animals. 100% absolutely true. We are not just the same and just another animal. That is a complete fallacy. And that's a fallacy that Darwinian scientism has, you know, really done a lot of damage to the human growth and development as a result of so many people buying into that absolute crap. So... Once free will becomes involved, it becomes involved at the point where the natural evolutionary progression, this force that's operating in nature, what you might call the ordering force, okay, the centropic force that works against entropy, has gotten biological evolution up to a point where then it goes epigenetic. It goes into the realm of mind. And then creation lets up at that point. That's why we're not being pushed forward by quote-unquote God, by creation, by, you know, we have to align ourselves with this, with that force. 
in order to step into its flow. It's still there, but it's not, it's not willfully pushing us because that would be control. God doesn't control the, the entirety of the creation. Controls it up to a point. It orders it up to a point. Then there's free will given. When the being has the capacity for holistic intelligence, at that point, the creation doesn't say, you must do anything. Then it says, you have free will. Do you align yourself with the natural law, or do you refuse to align yourself with the natural law? Then there are consequences for both of those things. That's it. You, you align yourself with moral law, you get one set of results. It's called evolutionary progression in consciousness, and you can create whatever you want as long as it's still in harmony with natural law. You want to live in opposition to natural law, to the laws of morality? Well, then a different result is handed to you by creation, by natural law consequences. And that's called slavery, which is where humanity is at. Stagnation of our evolutionary progression, slavery, held in chains, not able to move forward, not able to evolve. It's a choice. It is not being done to us. And, and I will vehemently, vehemently oppose that notion till my dying day. It is a choice and it all begins and ends with a choice. We have the choice whether to evolve our consciousness or not. It is absolutely within our capability. We have the capacity for holistic intelligence. So, after this point whereupon free will is operating, then the amount of aggregate consciousness a species develops through free will is largely responsible for the future progression, stagnation, or regression of that species. I'll say that again. After the point where free will becomes involved in this natural evolutionary progression, okay, the amount of consciousness that the whole species has been able to develop through their free will, meaning through what, what are you going to pay attention to? Are you going to learn? Are you going to grow? Okay. Are you going to try to understand what's true? Are you going to understand the boundary conditions of creation called natural law? Do you want to learn about morality? Do you want to learn about yourself? Self-knowledge, the knowledge of the universe, the knowledge of natural law, the knowledge of the spiritual laws of creation. Once the, either that species develops through their free will, that aggregate consciousness, I mean, conscious, it's called common sense, common sense reality. All right. Either we develop that common sense or we don't. And that's what that will to do that or the lack of will not to do that is what's going to determine whether we are going to progress as a species, whether we're going to stagnate as a species, or whether we're going to regress as a species and go deeper into bondage. Now, those first three points were my view of how this progression works, how this actual natural evolutionary progression or what you might call occult evolution works the unseen force of evolution that is at work in our lives not darwinian evolution the fourth point brings up the crux of intervent of interference theory I almost made a freudian slip there and said intervention theory it's been called intervention theory i call it interference theory 
this natural evolutionary progression, this process could be interfered with on the part of other forms of consciousness who have already entered the free will stage of that process. They have already come to the point where they are at the capacity for holistic intelligence and therefore they have developed free will. They are driving their own either evolutionary progress or evolutionary stagnation and they could get involved through uh, understanding technology and understanding physical laws of nature in the development of another species. That is absolutely very possible for that to, to, to happen that way. And, you know, people have to entertain that as a possibility with an open mind to understand that there absolutely could be other life forms and they don't, and again, to talk about their nature, they could be of all different natures. They could be in, a, in the same biological domain as us, the 3D universe, where they, you know, may have developed some kind of technology to travel from one world to another. They may be, exist in other frequencies of existence, like a, 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 a dimension of some type. Their nature could be many different things, and we'll pick that up, exploring that right there on the other side of this break. Stay with us, everyone. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. So, in the last segment, uh, I was talking about the four major points of this theory that I was laying out, known as interference theory of human origins. Uh, the first tenet or point was that natural evolutionary progression works in both the physical or genetic domain and then eventually proceeds to the epigenetic domain, the domain of consciousness. Uh, the second point was that the process is an automated one in the first step, or in other words, it's directed by creation in the biological or genetic domain until it enters the epigenetic domain, the domain of consciousness. At that point, free will becomes involved uh, in the beings that have the capacity for holistic intelligence, and then they are partially directing their evolutionary development. After that happens, the amount of consciousness that that species develops in the aggregate through their, free, their usage of their free will is what is largely responsible for the future progression of that species. However, that natural process that I am calling NEP or natural evolutionary progression could be interfered with by another form of life, another form of consciousness who has already gotten to that stage, that epigenetic stage where they're directing their free will progression. And I was saying it's very possible. 
You know, again, I go back to the idea that the reason people don't want to even accept or acknowledge or even uh, entertain the notion at all that this is possible is because they just don't want it to be true. That has absolutely nothing to do with whether it's true or not. That's arbiter of truth syndrome, as I call it. So I think I'll leave that right there and I'll leave the last slide for a little bit later on in the show. Uh, because I want to get to some calls and I want to see if anybody is going to win this, uh, some of these tickets for the St. Louis seminar. So let's go to the phones. Let's hear from Mark in Ohio. Mark, you're live on what on earth is happening. And the first question I'll ask you is, are you going to try to win one of the uh, tickets to uh, the St. Louis seminar? Uh, yes, Mark. All right, great. Go right ahead. The question was for the listening audience once again to name the four major Sabbaths or the high holidays, okay, not the lower Sabbaths or the lesser Sabbaths, the major Sabbaths of the occult calendar and their associated seasons. So go right ahead, Mark. Okay, that would be uh, uh, Imbolc, uh, would be associated with winter. That is correct. Uh, Beltane, which we just passed uh, through, it will be associated with spring. That's correct. Uh, I guess I'm pronouncing this right. Lamas would be uh, uh, associated with summer. Yes. And uh, Samhain would be associated with autumn or fall. That is correct. Uh, and there you have, uh, you've won one of the t- uh, tickets for the St. Louis seminar. Now, listen, when you go off the air, I want you to stay on the line and my producer is going to take your information so I could, uh, tell you who to get in touch with so you can get that, that ticket reserved. Okay. So, okay. um, but, uh, I'll just repeat the answer. It was Beltane. We could have also accepted for Beltane Valpurgisnacht, or I would have even taken May Day. Uh, that is the spring season, the middle midpoint of spring. Lamas or midsummer, uh, uh, which is the midpoint of the summer season. Uh, Sowin or hollow mass or Halloween for the fall or autumn season. And then Imbolc or candle mass for the winter season. So, uh, Mark, you have won one free ticket to the uh, Streetwise Spirituality in St. Louis. And like I said, just hang on after uh, you're, you're off the air and uh, my producer will take your information for me. Uh, but do you have anything else for us? Congratulations. And do you have anything else? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, I, you know, about tonight's topic, I'd just like to uh, like make an observation about the sort of the, the what I would consider the active, uh, an active proof of this interference would be the you know the uh, rampant use of uh, of uh, antidepressants, you know uh, you know directly affecting you know the uh, the the pineal gland, which you know which so not to balance the brain, sure, you know the mind, you know and especially you know the 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 giving of these to our to our children. This is a, a particular uh, sore point with me. Uh, Actually, I was uh, I attended the uh, the Asheville uh, your Asheville seminar and spoke with you about this, uh, and uh, I don't know that that would be the part of the shadow I think in the in the background here. This which I would consider to be a malevolent interference as sure. opposed to a benevolent intervention. You know, you know what and I it, mean. It's not only physical and uh, working on the biological processes. Of course, it interferes in the epigenetic domain as well because it is directing the emotions in the way of numbing them out 
And that is having an effect on the overall aggregate quality of consciousness in our species. And there's so many people hooked on these. I mean, for years and years and years, I mean, they've been on them and, you know, just look at it as there's no possibility or chance that they could get off of them. I mean, members of my family have been taking these things for up upwards of, of almost 20 years now, you know, basically since they've even been in they're more experimental stages and not quite as popular as they are now, but, um, they're looking to get more and more children on these things too. It's definitely one of the manipulators methodologies. Um, we talked about it on, in the past on this show, SSRIs, SNRIs, uh, I call them the demon drugs, you know, because yeah. the people who are the, the con the form of consciousness it's putting people in is demonic. And the people who are propagating these things are demonic. Yeah, and and you know, as far as the children, as far as children go, I mean, what better way to to you know keep this going in the future? You know, I mean, sure. you're, they're you know. Yeah, I mean, and the ultimate goal of this is ha just to have people continue never to want to look at themselves. You know, I won't I won't say the person's name, but a family member of mine basically tried to wean off of antidepressants, and then when this person felt emotions again, they were like. Oh my God, this is so foreign to me. I don't want to feel like this, but they were feeling natural emotional response ranges that is nor are normal for human beings to feel. And it was so alien and foreign to them. They're like, I want to go back to the way I was where I was numb and, you know, leveled out all the time and never, never had high emotional uplifting experiences or, or got really angry or really sad or really depressed, depressed. It's like they actually began to prefer because they got so used to it, the actual numbing out of the true emotional response range. It's so sad because what they've essentially given up is what it really means to be a human being to feel right you know and as far as as far as children go which actually it's this is my daughter i'm speaking of who i i'm divorced so i don't have this the actual control over this situation so you know to me it's just a natural growing process that they go through these you know they go through anxiety like you know teenage years for instance you know and and they're they're being told that oh no you have anxiety disorder so here, 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 take this, this, this will help. So, you know, they get this, then they get this leveling that they talk about, you know, and, and they think that, oh, this is it. This, and they tell them, oh, you won't be on these forever, but I'll be damned if that's not what happens. Absolutely. And it's a vicious no. cycle to break because, um, you know, once the will is compromised, you know, that's, that's what we're relying on to help motivate our behavior, motivate our actions. Once these things interfere with the whole pro the natural process of will, um, then it's going to be very difficult to um, to wean yourself off of them or to want to go back to feeling a full normal emotional response range. So, very difficult to break. You, if you're going to break the cycle with any drugs or but mainly antidepressants, you really have to look up a proper wean. Uh, and I would say do it under. Uh, guidance by somebody who really knows what they're doing and knows what they're talking about when it comes to these substances and knows how to draw up a proper wean uh, because you can't just go cold turkey with these. It can be more dangerous than the actual effect of the so-called so medication, the drug itself. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, Mark, uh, great, great points. And I want to say congratulations again on uh, winning a ticket, uh, one free ticket to the uh, St. Louis Seminar, Streetwise Spirituality. Uh, hang on the line, and uh, my producer is going to take your information off the air, okay? Thanks so much. Okay, Mark. Great. Thank you. 
All right. So uh, let me give another question because uh, Mark just won that ticket. So uh, here's the next question to win a one free ticket to the St. Louis seminar I'll be hosting on May 31st called Streetwise Spirituality. And again, if you're going to call in to try to answer this question, please only call in if you can attend. We don't want to give these tickets to people who won't be able to use them, okay? Because then you'll be keeping it out of the hands of somebody who actually can go and, uh, and attend and get a lot out of this seminar. So please, if you're going to call in and answer the question, be sure that you are going to attend the seminar. Okay, here's the third, the question for the third ticket. Give me the Hebrew language names of the four worlds of Kabbalah, of the Kabbalistic tradition, in ascending order from lowest to highest. I'll repeat the question on the other side of the break, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on the Republic Broadcasting Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Great. We gave a uh, ticket to the St. Louis Seminar, Streetwise Spirituality, away in the last segment. I'm uh, happy that that happened and uh, that Mark from Ohio was uh, winner number two in our little contest here. Uh, Let me read once again the third question for a single ticket to the St. Louis Seminar. Give the Hebrew language names of the four worlds of the Kabbalistic tradition, the four worlds of Kabbalah. Um, Now, again, to clarify this, I'm not looking for the names of Sephirot on the Sephirotic tree. I want the names of the four worlds of Kabbalah in ascending order from lowest to highest, okay, from ascend, in ascending order from lowest first to the highest world, okay, and I want the Hebrew language names. So uh, that's the question for, uh, if you have the answer to that, you can win a free ticket to the uh, Streetwise Spirituality Seminar in St. Louis on May 31st. Um, let's... Um, Let's go uh, to the phones again. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have holding? We have um, Jason in Illinois. Jason, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Do you want to take a crack at uh, winning a free ticket to the St. Louis Seminar? Uh, yes, I am. Okay, great. Name the four worlds of the Kabbalistic tradition in ascending order from lowest to highest. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the lowest would be Asaya. That is correct. And then... Uh, Yetzirah? Yes. Then Bariah? Yes. Then Atalut? That's correct. Slightly off on the pronunciations, but I'm not going to, you know, uh, you know, hold it to that, you know, level of, of specificity that I would, I would say if I were to give the correct pronunciations as closely as I know them to be, it's Asiyah, Yetzirah, Briah, and Atalut. But I, I could okay. even be slightly off in those, but 
in general, yes, you are correct. That is, Those are the four worlds of Kabbalah in ascending order from lowest to highest. So you've won a free ticket to the uh, St. Louis seminar on May 31st. Congratulations, right. Jason. And Thanks again, uh, I'll let you get to your point, but uh, just after the, after your call, hang on and my producer will get your information from you, okay? So I can get uh, the ticket information to you. All right, so okay. uh, what do you have for us this evening? Um, well, I have a, a question, well, an observation. Uh, basically, like the, the secret societies that are interested in occult knowledge uh, and like in the Mormons, the LDS, they all seem to be like obsessed with finding... Uh, giants and like ancient because this kind of fits into your your whole intervention or your whole theory about uh, like ancient astronauts or whatever they seem to be interested in finding like these bones of nine foot giants and stuff like that particularly like Joseph Smith I don't know if you ever heard of the um, what is it the uh, Kinderhook plates in Illinois I have not heard about that I I do know that uh, certain um you know, Mormon traditions uh, have extraterrestrial hypotheses and, uh, you know, deal with that topic. Uh, but the, yeah. specifically what you're referring to there, no, I'm not. Tell me about it. Okay, well, the Kinderhook Place, uh, this is actually like 20 miles from where I live. Mm-hmm. Basically, and I think it was 1843, uh, <clears throat> some people were digging in a farm, in a mound, Indian mound, and they found these brass plates which um, were buried next to a giant. Supposedly, the whole thing was a hoax, and this guy stepped forward, and it was in the newspapers at the time. This guy stepped forward and said these plates were forgeries, and they were trying to trick Joseph Smith. But he was a Freemason. He was inducted into the Illinois Lodge. He created a lodge in Nauvoo when they were here. I was just wondering if there's any connection. I mean, if they, if he was, like, keeping this knowledge alive in the Mormon religion... I was wondering if that's why they're interested you know, in genealogy. My, my take on the whole thing regarding religion is I think a lot of the high-level dark occultists who are behind exoteric religions do know the truth about human origins and are deliberately withholding that so that they can maintain their positions of power over yeah, other people in the world. That's what I believe, too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's absolutely... I don't know enough about the Mormon tradition particularly to... Um, you know, comment on those specifics. But in general, I would tell you that my take is high-level religionists are really the priest class that are running the show here on the earth. You know, they are the dark occultists, and the dark occult has given us our exoteric religions to keep us in Mm -hmm. line. Well, like their temple ordinances, they're all based on Masonic rituals. The symbols they have on their their sacred underwear, they have like the the Masonic... uh, Oh, it's definitely connected connected with masonry, no doubt, and more likely than not, dark masonry, not the true esoteric yeah. tradition of. And they're of, involved in genealogy. So I was wondering right. if that's some kind of they're trying to trace. I'm I'm sure they're tracing bloodlines bloodline like like that to uh, go back to you know uh, lineages that uh, had more of the uh, the gods uh, DNA or the gods ancestry. Uh, uh, many of the people who are in positions of power and are psychopathic and are you know, uh, obsessed with bloodline are uh, also very deeply into tracing their, their lineages back to the point where uh, they believe that their bloodlines mingled with the blood of the gods, you know, and that mm-hmm. also leads to racist ideologies. Not only uh, does it lead to eugenics ideologies, racist ideologies, it leads to, uh, you know, 
looking for the traits that are that they feel are in their their bloodlines that continue the psychopath psychopathy that runs in the family you know so there's so much connected with with blood with genetics with dna that has to do with these ruling classes that um i definitely think there there is involvement and and uh you know overlap when it comes to religion in this i would say that religionists are doing that just like people in royal families just like people in high level positions of uh political power um genetics plays a huge role in it uh and there's a reason for that and it's because these people believe that they're tracing a lot of their power and lineage to the time when the the gods quote unquote were living and breeding amongst humanity mm-hmm. yeah i think that's probably why joseph smith was killed because he was trying it, i mean because he wasn't this wasn't a secret he was like talking about this stuff publicly and that might have been one of the reasons why he was killed because he had i mean these ancient origin theories and stuff right very very possible but great points, Jason, and uh, congratulations again on on uh, winning the uh, the third ticket to the St. Louis seminar. Thanks, I'm looking forward to it. You got it, and hang on the line. My producer is going to take your information. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Thank you. All right, I'm happy about that. We have two winners this evening. Maybe we can give all three of these away. Again, these tickets are courtesy of Joe from Kansas City, who graciously donated them. He bought four tickets and then gave them away, and you know, told me I could, you know, maybe do a giveaway on the air. So uh, that's just what I'm doing. And we've given away three of the four. We have one ticket left to give away. Uh, Let me give another question since uh, our existing questions were answered correctly. All right. Uh, This should be a relatively easy one for people. Name the three steps of the trivium in order and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. Okay, so that's the total question. Name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects, uh, subjects, I should say, not steps, the three subjects of the quadrivium in order. They have to be in order, otherwise, you know, it's not a correct answer. The three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium. Now, for the trivium, I will accept either the um, classical trivium steps or the modern variant of the trivium steps i will actually also accept the computer analogy uh trivium method steps if people want to give that one okay if you want to show your knowledge you could say all of them but uh, as long as we get one that's correct in order i'll accept that okay so the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order and there is an order to both so that's the question. Let's see if we could uh, get a winner for the fourth ticket. Let's hear from Raphael in Indiana. Raphael, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Are you going to try to win a ticket to the St. Louis seminar? Oh, unfortunately not, Mark. Sorry. No worries. What do you have for us this evening? Uh, I just want to say thank you for everything you do. I appreciate uh, everything you do, and I understand and I realize how hard it is to do what you do on a daily basis and every Saturday night what you present us, and I want to thank you for that. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Um, and just commenting on kind of like what you've been talking about in your presentation as far as um, the two dialectics views and, uh, you know, just how people are buying bound to one side or the sure. other side. And I'll, I'll let you hang on, and I'll let you pick up right there on the other side of this break. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us. No! 
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We're into the third hour of the show this evening. We were talking to Raphael from Indiana just before the last break. Raphael, are you still with us? Raphael, if you're there, you can continue where you left off. Can you hear me, Mark? There you are. Yes. Okay. Um, sorry. Um, I just uh, had a comment and, and, and also a question. Um, you were talking about the polarization dialectics, dialectics and uh, just commenting on, you know, I, I came from a Catholic background, and I, I, I'm surrounded by people like that. And uh, from your presentations, everything you give us like, as far as, like, the the occurrences of the World Trade Center, the Columbine, you know, the seasons of sacrifices, the Columbia, the goddess, Virginia Tech, the killing of the king, the, the architecture of the streets, uh, the green language, all that stuff is like, you know, everything is just like in plain sight right there, but but yet those people will reject it, but yet they'll still believe and in, in wait for the revelation of the beast with a certain uh, aspects, which is like totally asinine but you know everything it just it's totally contradicting yeah when the beast the beast society is right before them it's right out in the open before them yeah but 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 they they believe in that word for word literally but they will not believe all the all your presentations everything you you've presented to us that in right in front of your eyes that's the power of religion my friend it's, it's sad, but true. I mean, religion is a strong mind controlling force. And when people have made up their mind that they're not going to look at evidence and they're just, they're going to believe a system because that's easier than thinking and reasoning things out and seeing the patterns that are right in front of your face, you know, well, you know, good luck. I mean, that that's mental bondage of the first order. And all that's going to get you is more and more slavery, more and more bondage, more and more chains. And I, I always ask people like that, do you think God wants slavery? You think God wants you to be in mental bondage? Do you think God wants you to be in physical bondage that's going to result, uh, that's going to result uh, from you remaining in mental bondage? Or would God want you to think and grow and evolve and understand the natural world as that force created it and how it operates? So then you could align yourself with the will of creation and then move forward. That's all this is about. God wants evolution for everybody, you know? I mean, I mean, how can anybody hate the term evolution? Okay, the concept put forward by Darwinism, that doesn't have anything to do with real evolution. Okay, fine, D- you know, reject that. I personally reject that, n- that notion of Darwinian theory. But that doesn't mean that evolution isn't a process in nature that's happening and being, is being directed by creation. You know, I ask Christians you know, or other religionists, you think God doesn't want you to evolve? You think God doesn't want humanity to evolve in consciousness, in understanding, to align its will with the will that underlies everything, that is all about the progression of intelligence, of true holistic intelligence toward more morality and therefore more freedom? Of course that's what the will of creation is all about. You know, I mean, it it makes common sense, very simplistic common sense to me, but... You know, there are people who refuse to see it that way and instead they want to read things literally from a fragmented, uh, you know, series of works that was published by man, put out there by man in order to control people thousands of years ago. But that's their that's their free will to do that. You know, and, and I was going over um, 
reviewing your natural law presentation, and you had a quote, and you said basically, until you, until you take in the light, you'll never dispel the darkness. And I, I've been going through uh, finishing up Bruce Lee book, and one of his quotes says, "Those who are, are unaware they are walking in darkness will never seek the light." Yeah, there it is. I mean, you know, when people are, I I call it negative knowledge, but it's the same thing he's saying. When you are so in ignorance, the darkness, that you actually have bought into a notion that is untrue, and then you're attached to it, you're not only at the level of where you have no knowledge, that would be zero, right? Where you don't have any knowledge, but you're not buying into a system that's completely false in addition to not having any knowledge. That would be a good place to start. That's like the blank slate place, you know? It would be great if we can get people to that place. But instead, what religion does is it fills people with a whole bunch of nonsense so that they're not even at ground level, at zero level, let alone they started making the climb up to higher consciousness to truth. They're in the pit of that they haven't even arrived at any knowledge and they have all this false so-called knowledge, belief systems that they're clinging to that bear no resemblance to truth whatsoever. And that's what Lee is saying in that statement, you know? It's the false appearance of knowledge. You know, I call it negative knowledge. And that's, that's not even being aware that you're dwelling in darkness. And that's what the purpose of religion is, to keep people rooted in that, in that belief system where they're in negative knowledge, don't even know that they're in that condition, and they stay attached to it. Very, very powerful force operating in our midst. And Mark, I had a question on as far as... Uh, I. I... I came across a video as far as it talked about some of uh, Gurdjieff's pre-Egypt, um, pre pre-Dan Egypt, uh, pre yes. Egypt uh, findings, and and I started thinking on that and thinking of like the the correlation of the yugas and, and the, the ages, mm -hmm. and also you you touched on that a little briefly on your World Trade Center correlations as far as uh, yes. Ebenezer's dream, right? And and just trying to figure out how what are your thoughts and how does that relate? And, and it actually kind of remind me took me back into your presentation of uh, Matrix, yes. You know how when he brought up the architect and it's like a reboot, so to speak. Yeah, that's know? a great question. And, um, how I see the quote-unquote world ages or the ages of con consciousness is that they are wave cycle tendencies. They're not set in stone as many researchers have, you know, th think that they are. Um, I like personally uh, the concept that these are tendencies that can be overcome if the will is applied. So in other words, it's like the tide, right? When would be the best time to try to take your boat out to sea? When the tide is coming in hard or when the tide is moving out to sea? Well, if you can do it either time, it's possible if you use enough will and energy. But it would probably behoove you to say, well, if the tide is moving out at this particular time, maybe I should take the boat out now because it's moving out and not coming in hard. You know, that's how I look at the wave cycles of consciousness. There may be a tendency in nature where involutionary forces are really pressing against the evolutionary force harder than at other times because they ebb and flow, okay? And it doesn't mean that even in a dark period, which I would consider that we are certainly in now, uh, many people have called this age the Kali Yuga, the, the age of darkness, the age of the destroyer, okay? And I would agree with that. I do think we are in what the, uh, you know, ancient Indus Valley traditions are referred to as the Kali Yuga. 
Um, that doesn't mean that we can't transcend that. And it has to all go into darkness. It just means there is a tendency of involutionary forces working against us at this time period. And if we want to get the boat out to sea, or if we want to rise up the ladder in consciousness, it's going to take a lot more energy right now to do it because of the tendency. That's how I look at the quote ages in consciousness. I don't look at them as anything that are set in stone. I look at them as energies that uh, people have recognized these cycles in the past and written about them, but it doesn't mean that it's set in stone and it has to have a particular outcome. It just means that there are forces at work in those particular ages, you know, just like, well, Hey, during the day, there's more light out. So if you're going to work outside, you know, it might be a good time to do it instead of waiting until, you know, the sun is on the other side of the earth. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, you have darkness outdoors. If you're going to work outside, you could still do it, but it's going to be a lot harder in that one cycle in that, in that cycle of darkness. So, we can still change it, but more will is going to be need, need to be summoned. And this is what I think people don't understand. They've bought into this notion that it's unchangeable, that it can't be changed or that it's set in stone. That isn't true. And people have to get that notion out of their head and recognize it's a function of will. We'll pick it up on the other side of the break. Stay with us, everyone. This is what on earth is happening. So I want to uh, go back to uh, the last image in the slideshow for tonight, image number five, and I want to wrap up uh, talking about the interference theory of human origins uh, before we move on to some other callers because uh, I want to make sure I get to this material tonight. And uh, if you want to call in to try to win a free ticket to my St. Louis seminar in uh St. Louis, Missouri on um, May 31st. The call-in number to join us is 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443. We've already given two, set, two tickets out on the air tonight, and uh, we have one left. The question, the trivia question to, for the uh, to win the ticket is name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. So, um, image number five, um, I put a little rudimentary timeline here that extends indefinitely in both directions because like this is a never ending process basically. And, um, you know, we need to basically look at this as just a very simple model. You know, you don't want to take this at you know, 100% phase value. It's basically painting a generalized picture of how this process works. So please keep that in mind. And I call this flow that is existing in creation, the natural evolutionary progression, or what I have called 
uh, again, we looked at this on past shows, the force of syntropy, the force that orders against entropy, entropy being the chaotic force, the force which breaks things down. Syntropy is the force which orders things. It's the ordering force, or I've simply called it the will of creation. The will of creation is to order things. The will of creation is to uh, uh, unfold and to evolve consciousness. It is to expand awareness. Um, It isn't to shut it down. That's the entropic force or the force of involution that is always working against the syntropic force or what I've called here the natural evolutionary progression or ordering force within creation. This, uh, and for short, I call it NEP, okay? NEP, the natural evolutionary progression to distinguish it from Darwinian quote-unquote biological only evolution. This is a, a force, an evolutionary progression force that has consciousness taken into consideration within it as its goal. The goal of it is to expand consciousness and awareness so that the being can then take over its own evolutionary progress in the form of free will by, by expanding and furthering its own consciousness so that it is free to, to choose what it wants to do for itself. Okay. So Look at this line as the left side of the line is the ancient past, okay? And you have this ordering force, ordering things into greater levels of complexity and form. So the natural evolutionary progression is at work in a species in the physical slash biological slash genetic domain. This is where it's bringing together particles, it's bringing together atoms, subatomic particles, you know, molecules coming together you know, working up to collections of cells and then the simple organisms and then the more complex organisms. This is what we may, you know, have heard of and generally understand as evolution in Darwinian terms or in scientism terms. But what I'm trying to say here is that that moves forward up to a point where you have the capacity for holistic intelligence. And then at that point, creation doesn't 100% completely stop doing that immediately. Okay, that's why I've overlapped these two things, these two forces, um, or these two aspects of the same force, this syntropic or ordering force. It doesn't um, just immediately stop. It may move into that other domain, the epigenetic domain for a while. But at some point, the being is free on its own to move forward or to not move forward. To, in other words, work upon itself to advance its consciousness or refuse to do that work and therefore its consciousness stagnates and therefore its evolutionary progression stagnates. So you have this biological component working over aeons of time. And then at some point, the epigenetic aspect enters into the picture. At that point, you're starting to develop the capacity for holistic intelligence. And at some point, the full capacity for holistic intelligence is there. And therefore, that being has evolved to the point where free will has fully been gifted to it by creation through this force, through this ordering force. This is what actual evolution is. 
as compared with Darwinian evolution. Or what I'm describing here is evolution in occult terms, as has been taught throughout the, the history of humanity in the esoteric mystery traditions of consciousness. Okay? So this natural evolutionary progression then goes into effect in the epigenetic domain, or in other words, in the realm of mind, in consciousness, and it works through free will. So again, I hope people understand this very simple rudimentary model. I don't, I don't know how I can make it any simpler. You know, I tried to just keep graphics to a minimum and just try to, you know, paint a picture in people's minds by the words I'm using. And hopefully the message will be received. It will be understood. So you have the biological, physical, genetic uh, aspect of this force operating. And then when it orders a species up to a point where it now has the capacity for holistic intelligence, that force, which is an automated one, that force on the left-hand side, the physical, biological, genetic, that's an automated process. It then starts to back off once the being has been evolved up to a point where free will has been imbued into the being, okay, which is humanity. We are and have been at that point for some time. We are not a creature of pure instinct, just controlled by genetic material. If people believe that, they believe old, dead scientism that has completely been disproven probably for well over a hundred years, but I would say certainly in the last 50. The problem is that that new information often takes a very, very long time to reach the mass of people in the public domain, and it's constantly being thwarted from reaching the people by bad and disinformation being put out by the so-called mainstream media, by the paradigm protectors, as I like to call them. Now, you have this red line with the dot on it in the middle of this green, uh, these set of green arrows. And I refer to this as the point of the possibility where interference happened with this natural process, this natural evolutionary progression by another form of consciousness. You have to look at this line as specific to one species or one form of consciousness. And at some point in the past, there could have been an interference done by another form of consciousness which was not human. If we're looking at this green line to be the natural evolutionary progression of what we refer to ourselves as humanity, human beings, this point of interference was done by some form of consciousness that was non-human. And we'll pick it up from there on the other side. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening.
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were on slide number five of the images for tonight's show. You could find those at whatonearthishappening.com on the radio show page or along with this podcast. I was talking about a possibility of in our ancient past of the natural evolutionary progression of the human species or perhaps what we once were, you know, in the condition that we once were in had been interfered with deliberately by another form of consciousness. And again, regardless of what you think the nature of that other consciousness may be, we're looking at the possibility that something that was not human interfered with uh, the progression of natural evolution in our species. And when such interference like that happens, whether it is genetic, again, we're going to lay out a lot of the evidence for the possibility of genetic uh, modification or hybridization having been done to the human species, direct tampering with our genetic code. And then you have epigenetic manipulation. It's not just genetic, it's epigenetic. That means it's you're manipulating the mind. You're also manipulating the environment in which the being is living in because that has an effect on the, our conditions that develop in our, in our mind, in our behaviors, in our whole species. So whether the interference is genetic, meaning it's done directly to the physiology or it's epigenetic, it's done in the realm of mind or even in the environment, this force immediately begins to act as the entropic or involutionary force, which counteracts the evolutionary force, which counteracts what I'm calling here NEP, natural evolutionary progression. And again, that's what evolution always has to be. Keep that in mind. It's progression. It's not just the survival of biological material. You could have survival of biological material and still have regression in consciousness of a species. So we have to keep in mind when this interference occurred, it immediately began to counter the natural evolutionary progression and it acted as an entropic force, a force of chaos, a force of disorder, a force of holding us back. Okay? And we're going to lay out the case for this possibility in future shows. We'll get into reading ancient accounts of non-human interaction with our planet, the gods creating humanity, quote-unquote gods. Keep in mind, I'm saying gods with a small g has nothing to do with the real god of creation. And again, regardless of what you want to think the nature of these beings may have been, some people tend to look at them as demonic or you know, fallen, fallen angelic consciousness. Some look at them as extra dimensional. Some form of higher dimensional existence. They're from another frequency of existence. You know, another brain, you know, to use a modern scientific term. You know, some other dimensional aspect of existence that we don't actually perceive in this realm or dimension or whether you want to look at them as physical biological entities from elsewhere 
you know, just uh, in a more nuts and bolts type of way. They're just traveling possibly with uh, so far unknown technology that is unknown to us and is being deliberately kept hidden in secret because of its possibilities, what, how it could possibly transform the human uh, condition, level the playing field when it comes to uh, forms of energy, etc., and free human and you know help to free humanity or at least move humanity forward. Um, regardless of what you think the nature of these beings were that performed this interference, as soon as that interference occurs, you have an entropic force at work blocking or standing in the pathway of the natural evolutionary development of a species. And my question to people is, why wouldn't this be possible? You know, if you just look at it in that way, in those terms, who is to say that that's not possible to occur? Why are people so against that notion, just even considering it? I mean, when I even first heard about this theory, I didn't sit there and think, well, that can't possibly be. That's not possible. It can't possibly happen. Of course, I entertained the notion and said, well, that may be a long shot, but we have to look into the possibility. Is there evidence for this? you know, maybe records of this occurring? And the answer turns out to be yes, in abundance. You know, is there evidence in the fossil record, perhaps? And the answer is yes, there is actually in abundance. And all this evidence is just glossed over, or it's debunked immediately, it's thrown out because it doesn't fit into the nice, neat little package that anthropologists and archaeologists want people to believe in. You know, so it goes into university basements and it sits stored in closed boxes for decades and decades and decades because we can't put it in our little paradigm as the paradigm protectors. You know, we want to maintain our tenure and we want to maintain our role, our status as the experts who wrote all the textbooks on the topics. You know, we can't have anything to the contrary getting out there, even if it's true, even if there's evidence to support it. Well, we can't explain that readily in the existing paradigm model. Well, out it goes. It doesn't fit into the Darwinian model. Out it goes. Religionists say it doesn't fit into the creationist model. Out it goes. That's not seeking truth. That's you playing God. You're acting as the arbiter of truth. Instead of saying, let me look at all the evidence. Let me put, bring it all to the table and look at it and then order it and then make sense of it, then filter it and then see what comes out in the wash. You know, no, we don't want to do things like that as a human species, you know, in general. We want to say, if it fits in the existing model I accept and believe in, then anything that doesn't fit in, it has to go. Anything that possibly contradicts my existing model, throw it out. That's how most science is done today. And there are people out there, they don't want to believe that. Because science is their religion. You know, it's just another religion. Scientism. So I've essentially covered what I really want to wanted to cover uh, for today. Um, let's see if we can... And, and again, we're going to lay out a case for this with evidence in future shows. We're going to read ancient accounts and try to see them in their bigger context, in their bigger picture. You know, not just as 
the fanciful imaginations of primitive people who had nothing better to do but tell crazy science fiction stories. You know? Perhaps what they were doing painstakingly was attempting to preserve their history in the language that they spoke and wrote and as well as they could put it down for posterity. You know, people don't want to think about it like that because, again, it's a disturbing story. We were made as a slave species. That's a disturbing story. You think, I want that to be true? I don't want that to be true. But if it is true, I'm not the arbiter of that. I'm not the one who has to say, uh, I believe that or not. Either I there's evidence for it and I'm going to align my perceptions to what's actually there or it's not that way. But to me, that model, this model of humanity's natural course being interfered with by some other consciousness to me makes the most sense once all the evidence is taken into account and it explains so much about why the human condition is the way that it is and why we're up against the forces that we are up against today. Whereas none of the other models explain that. None of these other uh, paradigms that you know conflict with each other but are actually oppo-sames, the Darwinian paradigm and the creationist paradigm, explain any of those things. Zero. They actually explain none of them while the interference theory, at least when I take it into account, um, to me, explains all of those seeming, seemingly inexplicable dynamics that are within the, uh, the human experience that up to this point um, you know, haven't actually really been readily explained to at least not my satisfaction. So uh, we'll go back to the phones on the other side of this break, and we'll see if we can't get a uh, final winner in our contest for uh, a ticket giveaway for the St. Louis seminar I'll be giving on May 31st. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Last segment for this evening for this edition of What on Earth is Happening. And uh, let's uh, go to the phones and see if we can't get a final winner in our ticket giveaway for tonight. Let's hear from Patty in Illinois. That's a hop, skip, and a jump from Missouri. Patty, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Do you want to take a crack at the uh, the trivia question to try to win a free ticket? Yeah, yeah, I'll take a, a All crack. All right, great. The question was... Name the three steps of the trivium and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. Okay, the three um, of the trivium. Um, the first one is thought. I'm sorry, no, that is not one of the trivium steps, oh. but thank you so much for trying. But um, uh, what else did you have for us this evening? Oh, that's it. I was just going to try to answer those three. I wasn't sure if you wanted them um, the way they were presented or if it was the old school, like a grammar. Yeah, I one. said, 
Uh, well, uh, I said that I would accept the ancient uh, way that the trivium was presented, the modern method that it was presented, or the okay. computer allegory way that it was presented. So, all right. No, no, no worries. Um, uh, you have any questions or comments while while I have uh, you on the line? Well, no, I'm just really interested in what you're talking about right now. Um, I um, I'm a biologist, and so looking at human form and the anatomy of, of the human being is something that has always kind of um, interested me, um, just how we're so much different from even our closest uh, so-called relatives on the on the evolutionary scale as sure. by Darwin. But um, I'm interested in what, you're, what you have in upcoming shows. Um, I was always thinking somewhat of this interference being something that has helped us along the path, but... Um, how it might actually keep us stagnant is something I'm looking forward to hearing about. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. You bring up some great points. While there are a lot of similarities in genetics to our closest relatives, the amount of differences is staggering. And this is something that you don't hear a lot from evolutionary biologists and uh, people who, uh, you know, prop up the Darwinian theory. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that amount of difference in the genetics is uh, something that really, um, I feel, cannot really be bridged. And uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Darwin himself continuously told people is that, um, you know, there would have to be a lot of transitional fossils found in the fossil record to show clearly the progression. That's never actually been done. S scientists call this, uh, anthropologists and archaeologists refer to this lack of evidence as the, quote, missing link. And they always say it's going to be bridged, it's going to be found, the gap is going to be closed, and it never has been. There is exactly zero bones of any of any hominid present in the modern human skeleton. Do, they do not exist. And there have been exactly zero transitional fossils, bones in the fossil record found that bridge the hominid, uh, uh, our hominid so-called ancestors with modern Homo sapiens sapiens. Never has been actually uncovered within the fossil record. It's, it's something that has been postulated and put out there as a theory, but people have actually never discovered the, the actual evidence, and yet this is believed in as some sort of a, uh, you know, gospel truth, which is, I, I think, making a big jump. Uh, and again, th this is what we want to do in future shows is talk about, you know, things like this and bring this evidence forward and talk about things like, uh, you know, um, the second human chromosome, you know, which is an anomaly and which, uh, you know, Darwinists, you know, say is the best example of, um, you know, uh, uh, biological evolution. And a lot of creationists say that's the best example of creationism. You know, I look at it as that's the best example of intervention or interference theory. So um, we'll, we'll be getting into all of these things and many more and, uh, you know, talking about what we can actually do about it, even if it is the, the worst case scenario. And I'm also open to the possibility that there have been some species that have been quote unquote on our side or quote unquote trying to bring some form of balance to it. I, I kind of have a little bit of a 
bad taste in my mouth regarding that, um, regarding where a lot of the New Age movement thinks that that is, because I don't think it's nearly anything like they think it is, like it's the cavalry coming to rescue us or anything. They want us to do our work for ourselves, so we they don't have to, you know, pull us up by the bootstraps and somehow become responsible for us, like, you know, uh, a parent taking on another child, you know, so um, we'll look at all of those possibilities, so uh, really great great points that you brought up there. So thank you for the call, Patty. So uh, yeah. let's uh, let's go to another caller and see if we can't give these tickets away before the end of the show. Let's hear from uh, Derek in Pennsylvania. Derek, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. And do you want to take a crack at winning the uh, free ticket to the St. Louis seminar? He's not responding. All right. Derek has, uh, has hung up so let's move on let's hear from brandon in boston brandon you're live on what on earth is happening and uh if you so choose you can take a crack at winning the uh, free ticket to the st louis seminar do you want to give it a shot sure um just a real quick comment first sure. i think that this intervention thing um could have been um also a catastrophic event very, very distinct possibility. Absolutely. That also needs to be looked at. Uh, cataclysm theory is something that definitely could put... Uh, see, it doesn't have to be another form of consciousness either. It can be a natural event that can interfere and come in between, you know, the natural evolutionary progression of a species and, you know, its future evolution. So absolutely, cataclysmic events definitely should be looked into. And uh, I'll also be recommending some uh, authors to that to that topic. As a matter of fact, I yeah. think next week what I'm going to do is just lay out a bunch of different authors and researchers for people yeah. to just look into all of this stuff right off the bat just put out a, a bunch of different research and uh you know we'll, we'll we'll pick up specific research from that point forward but i think next week's show that's what i'm just going to do is lay out a whole bunch of different researchers for people to go off on their own and, and do some research on their own so uh, Daniel or, uh, or, um, you got um yeah, uh, and uh, of course, uh, Julian James and the breakdown of the sure. bi-camera mind. Sure. But uh, let me um, answer the question. Sure. Um, the, the question, once again, was name the three steps of the trivium in order and the four subjects of the quadrivium in order. Go right ahead. And you'll take different um, antiquity, you know, yes. uh, classical yes. order. Okay, so, all right. um, the first, the three in, in, in order are grammar, logic, and rhetoric. That is correct. Um, and the four and subjects it, of the quadrivium in order. Okay. Um, mm, see, I would call this more of the classical um, interpretation of the order. Okay. Um, and uh, it would be arithmetic, music, yeah. geometry, astronomy. I'm, go I'm right. going to have to call a incorrect on that. Um, no. You named all of them, but not in the correct order, unfortunately. So really, really great, great attempt, but, uh, just the quadrivium was out of order. So, um, I'll, I'll let you get to your question or comment then. Uh, no, no, it's just my theory on that is, uh, that, um, if you look back at like, say Plato, you know, in the classical period, um, of the quadrivium, people who taught the quadrivium and this, um, knowledge that was lost, supposedly lost, um, music was primary. Um, music comes first. And uh, last thing comment is um, uh, if you want to see a really good movie on um, intervention and how this 
could have happened. Yes. Maybe happening now is a 2001 Space Odyssey. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, he was privy to a lot more than he let on, and uh, I think it event eventually ended up getting in getting him in some trouble uh by our dark occult friends um at least i think so um kubrick obviously had insider knowledge and had been involved with some dark occultists for sure i think um eyes wide shut is absolute proof of that uh in what he was trying to tell the american public about who was really running the show in this country and really throughout the world but um uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is absolutely about the intervention or interference that occurred in the human species for certain. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have. We'll have to give away that final ticket next week. But uh, thanks so much for listening. And remember, there are only two mistakes that one can make on the path to truth, not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you right here next week. <laughs>